This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend, my partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. Uh, Pipe, we kind of called an emergency recording sesh here this morning because our two teams, our two baseball teams, the Mariners and Twins, are playing uh, a little early season series here, and uh, we wanted to get uh, in the studio and talk a little baseball, man. It's been a long time since we've talked baseball, talked about our two teams. Uh, Our season, as a Mariners fan, seems to be unraveling already, which is uh, apropos of us. It's on brand. I'll say, and uh, I want to get I want to get your take on the Twins. Did you have a chance to watch the game yesterday? Uh, I watched probably two thirds of it. I was it was working from home, and so it was kind of a background thing, nice. and I was in and out a little bit. But yeah, I watched I watched the bulk of it. Yeah, I watched some of it too. Uh, it was our second start for Marco Gonzalez, and he got lit up again. Uh, he he kind of got beat up in his first start. He got beat up yesterday. Uh, it's been a tough beginning of the season for Marco, and uh, I learned during the broadcast yesterday that uh, James Paxton, who probably has the best stuff of any pitcher on our staff, uh, he's going to be down with Tommy John surgery for the whole season. So, snake bit Which- already. Also apropos, considering his, I mean, he's basically had a snake bit career. I think he's had like one good yeah. season. One f- good full and season. And I think it, I caught his one good full season kind of early in my tenure as a Mariners fan. So we're kind of like, I would say we're on the back nine, to borrow a golf term, like on this rebuild. Um, when, when, I got, when I got in on the Mariners, we were just starting the rebuild. Now we're on the back nine. The expectation is we kind of start to win a little bit. But Kyle Lewis, AL Rookie of the Year last year, um, he's already injured, ran into a wall in spring training. Paxton's down with Tommy John. Like we just we can't seem to Jake Fraley, one of our other good prospects who is up this year, is is hurt already. We can't catch a break, man. Um, <clears throat> it's frustrating. Yeah, and and the you know we've talked about this before, but in baseball it's frustrating because like the rebuild is a it's like a five year process. You know, in basketball, you tear it down. You have one or two bad years, get a couple high picks, one or two free agent signings, and you've completely rebuilt totally. your team. It doesn't work like that in baseball because you get a top five pick and you might not see him for five exactly. years. And so there's player development, there's trading for prospects, which the Mariners have done an enormous yeah. amount of with you know varying levels of yeah. success. And and no good free agent signings that I can remember right. for the Mariners in the last several years. Although it seems like they've tried, they just haven't. Just haven't seen yeah, exactly. Um, and the prospect thing is interesting because so we got we got Taylor Trammell from the Padres in a trade. Um, he struggled at the plate a little bit already this this season. I think I think Jared Kelnick is going to be up just as a matter of like it's been a baton death march. So like we're just going to need bodies. But the plan was to keep him. Well, I think I think they the only reason he's not up is because of that whole service time yeah. thing. You know, it benefits the team. They get they get a player on the roster for an entire extra season by delaying their call up by four right. weeks, and so every team does it. Everybody knows it. It's 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 a stupid system, but it is what's in existence. Yeah. So we just live. Yeah, by it. for sure. So I, I I feel like it's going to be the kind of season where 
we have a lot of interesting pieces on paper, but we never see them on the field at the same time. Um, one thing I'm encouraged by, and then I want to I want to get into some twin stuff. Mitch Haniger back. He's hitting in the leadoff spot for us. Uh, he's done a phenomenal job. So uh, good to see. Still has still has impressive flowing locks. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Haniger looks good. Marco's got some flowing locks this year too, which is interesting. Um, yeah, and his are his are like curly with a sheen. It's very. Yeah. Yeah, very, very, impressive. very impressive. Very like Fernando Valenzuela. Exactly. I wish you, I wish you would pitch like Fernando Valenzuela, but uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll get there. You say Kikuchi had a nice outing for us, which was a surprise. Uh, he kind of got battered last year, but he looked good in his first outing. Um, the the other pitchers, I'm trying to think who I've been impressed with. I don't know. Um, it's a, it's a question mark. The pitching staff. See, I feel like I feel like the Mariners need to follow the Padres lead, which is, you know, the Padres for a while they tried the like the old veteran thing. So they signed like Matt Kemp yeah. and the Upton brothers and whatever else and they just never they they were never better than about 500. Yeah. Then they they got rid of all those guys, started trading for prospects, just prospects on prospects on prospects, were bad for a few years, signed like Eric Hosmer mm-hmm. to a long contract, which everybody was like, what is this about? But what they were doing is just sort of starting to put pieces in place that they're like, well, there's a roster spot we don't have to worry right. about. Professional player yep. is going to show up. It's going to be generally productive, although Hosmer's not right. great. Then some of their prospects started to yep. hit. Then some of their trades started to work out. Then what they were able to do is take those bank of prospects and trade for Ian Snell. And, you know, and then they went after you Darvish and all this stuff. So now all of a sudden they have some young guys who they brought up, some guys that they traded for. The Mariners have tried to do like all of one thing or all of another, it seems <laughs> yeah. like. And and that's you can't do that in baseball. You have to have like prospects with judicious free agent yeah. signings and then the occasional trade to like seal the deal. Yeah, that's a good word. And I, I think when I got in on the Mariners, they were right at the end of their like expensive old guys kind of cycle. And um they were about to take that pivot into um into the into the prospect side of things. But you're right. You know, it seems like now we just have a bunch of young guys that are question marks and Mitch Haniger and Kyle Seeger. And that's our team. Um well, and like, and and guys like Haniger and Seager are the right kind of guys to be like, all right. So we've got a what is it, a left fielder and yeah. a third baseman for the next yeah. three years. Okay, I mean Seager's probably thirty years old, so you might not have him yeah. for that long. But you just go, okay. Well, those guys are replaceable if we get a killer prospect, or they're useful in the yeah. lineup. And then the the rest of it is a numbers yeah. game. You know, because you can't have a star prospect. You got to have like 15 because some of them aren't going to sure. pan out. Some of them are going to get injured. Some of them are going to switch positions. Well, and they're going to be, you know, there was a while where they're, they're going to be streaky when they're young ahead. too. Like JP yeah. Crawford was pretty amazing for us last year, but he's been, he's been really bad to start the season. And, uh, I still like him. I mean, I still think he's a, he's going to be a good piece for us, but with these young guys, you know, you you're you're gonna ride out some slumps. You're gonna ride out some inconsistencies, and um, it's just tough. It's tough to stack wins when when that's where you are. Yeah, and you know, and and draft picks are only like a moderate portion of how prospects, you know, international, you know, of how of how minor leagues yeah. are built. It's it's not like the other sports, and so it really is a matter of what are the moves that are being made around the margins? Cause almost every good major league team has a guy who's a really valuable player for them who came out of nowhere. Yeah. We're talking like independent Absolutely. league, 
he was signed for $700 out of like a, you know, a, a manufacturing league in Maine or something. <laughs> exactly. And now all of a sudden he's a seventh inning guy throwing 96 yeah. and striking out, you know, 14 guys per nine innings. They're great something. stories. I mean, it's why you love baseball. And let me, let me ask you this just conceptually. This is something I've been chewing on for years, actually, as I've thought about sports. Do you think the draft is overvalued in every sport? Um, I think it definitely is in the NBA. I think it definitely is in the NFL. It's probably the least overvalued in baseball because it's the least sort of because it's the least valuable. Well, yeah, it's the least valuable and it's the least entertainment driven, right? Baseball hasn't figured out a way what? to like monetize watching the draft. You can't make something entertainment driven where the whole premise is get excited and get excited and this then, guy and then wait for five years. You know, when your kids are in exactly, college, you know? exactly. Because if you draft the dude at eighteen, and he and he has a long road to the majors, yeah. he's still twenty three when he breaks right. in. But that's five years that he's just been gone. Exactly. And yeah, I I don't know that it's overvalued in the other ones because I think it's a little overvalued in the NBA because no high pick leads their team to playoff success yeah. ever. Rookies do not contribute to playoff success in the NBA. Now. However, when you draft Anthony Davis or LeBron James or whoever, these sort of generational right. guys, these these super talents, you can't win the title without those guys right. either. So there's there's kind of a give and take, but there's always a misunderstanding of value. Yeah. The NFL is tricky because the NFL salary cap is such that getting those guys for their first four years at almost no you need, like meaningful in the money current NFL, is huge, especially Yeah, you need X amount of rookies on your roster just to make the yeah. economics work. So to some degree, it's it's valuable just from a math standpoint. But yeah, like I, I think the most valuable guys in the NFL in terms of like production versus money are like third rounders, yeah. you know, where so you get like a Chris Godwin or somebody for, for Tampa yeah. who's an, you know, Pro Bowl level receiver who prior to being franchised this year probably made $3 million in like his fifth year in the league yeah. or something. That's, that's yeah. wild. You know, that's wild. It value. is wild value. Devonte Adams, you know, guys, guys yeah. that get unearthed in the middle rounds at a, at a position where you need, you know, production and freaky guys. Um, yeah. Which is why it's, it's sort of, a bit of a fool's errand to draft a receiver in the first round, you know, and, and, and yet yeah. from a media standpoint, we should, we should do a draft show where we talk about, maybe, maybe we'll just break down the draft after yeah. the fact, but yeah, that the idea of a bunch of those guys being first rounders, I just kind of look at it and I'm like, that, that seems foolish. Right. To me. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith, you know, yeah. um, all, all these guys, X number of them are going to fail. I, I heard a stat yesterday that, only a third of wide receivers who are selected in the first round make it to a second contract with their original team. That means like their original teams are moving on from two thirds of them. And I, I found that to be quite staggering. You know, um, that's a, that's a big miss rate. And yet, you know, teams are constantly talking themselves into these first round receivers. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I think, and not to go, you know, too deep into a rabbit trail here about the draft. I'm I'm interested in what the Rams are doing in the in the sense of they have a low view of draft choices and they have a high view of guys who have already produced in an NFL level. And that's always made sense to me. You know, it's always made sense to 
you know, flip a first round pick for um, Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey or a second or third round pick for, um, you know, uh, the, the pass rusher, the edge guy from from Jacksonville when they were buying all the Jacksonville players. I mean, it it, it just kind of makes sense to me. And um, I'm, I'm curious as to why more teams don't do it. You, you see it in the NBA where it's like, you know, team A will trade with team B and it's like, oh, they got three future first rounders. And it's like, yeah, but it's going to be pick like 12 to 16. And those guys almost never matter, you know, like, well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what Houston got for James right. Harden was a bunch of, a bunch of future first round picks, which, you know, odds are those are going to be somewhere between pick like 15 and 28. And yeah, you can build a rotation out of those guys if you hit on them. But like the best thing Houston's going to be able to do with those is carry the value forward and trade them for an actual good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I would almost always rather trade a first round pick in the NBA. If you have a top five pick, you should probably hold on to it. Anything outside the top five, if you can, or projected, if you can flip it for a real player, it's probably a better. Yeah, that's right. And with, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. The salary cap is the only monkey wrench in this. I think the thing that I've learned this year more than any other year is that in the NFL, the salary cap is pretend. I think so. Because, you know, you look at like the Saints. The Saints were projected to be something like $100 million over the cap. <laughs> well, that sounds like just the franchise is going to have to sell the team. It's all right, coming right. apart. And then after a few like weirdo contract moves, they're able to sign four or five free agents. Yeah, yeah it's wild. So it it's not even a real salary cap. So I think the whole like value of picks is still a little bit inflated. Mm-hmm. What it does is it just enables the GMs to not have to think about the cap as it pertains to those players instead of doing what the Rams or the Saints do, which is kind of be wizards exactly. with it all. Exactly. Pipe, let's get back to the Twins. What did you see yesterday, and what have you seen out of the, the early part of the season that you like as far as the outlook for the Twins? And where is your team at in terms yeah. of winning now, winning later? Like, What, what are your expectations? So I think that it's a weird situation because in my, in my in my kind of adult life, so twins were really good when I was a kid. Then the twins were really bad up until I was like late high school. Then high school, college, up through like the early 2000s, they got to be sort of like that scrappy twins yeah. team. Some of the young guys came up and then they had one or two stars with Maurer and Morneau and Johan Santana and those guys. But in the last four or five years, so they they – Fired their GM a few years ago, brought in Thad Levine, and um, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Uh, whatever. And uh, and they sort of brought a new school approach of balancing talent and spending money and developing the farm system. So for the last few years, they've brought in some stars. Like they paid money. They paid Josh Donaldson, mm-hmm. which has not worked out. Then they traded for Kenta Maeda. Then they signed Nelson Cruz, which has worked out in spades. He's been, you know, probably the top one of the top three hitters in the American League in the last. Yeah, few you years. got him from us. And they have the young guys. They still like Buxton and Sano are still contributing. Polanco and Arise and these guys who are international signings. So you kind of see it coming together. Jose Barrios, who was a drafted guy a few years ago, so their window is now like. They're a World Series contending team now. I just they 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 have an 18 game losing streak in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, which means that I which is fluky. Yeah. 
because everybody accidentally wins at some point in baseball. Like the worst teams don't have 18 game losing streaks anytime. That's just a weird thing. So I think basically what I've seen is this is a team that should contend for the World Series barring catastrophic injury. But of course, in his first at bat of the first game of the season, Donaldson pulls a hamstring. (laughs) You know, rips a double to the left field gap and pulls up running to second base, hobbling on one leg, which is wonderful. That's so delightful. (laughs) But they have a a decent bullpen. They have good starting pitching, although not like the best. They're just good everywhere. They have no weaknesses and they have room for improvement if they decide to go make trades, get an ace kind of starting pitcher, strengthen the bullpen. They've got some young guys waiting in the wings. Um, so really like I look at it and I go they're they're built to be one of the best teams in baseball for 162 games. Then there's the kind of luck of the draw in the playoffs and see what they can do. Dude, let me ask you this. And I, I know you're a student of this kind of thing as am I, and I'm, I'm thinking about this now as it pertains to the Mariners of, of the twins players, who's likable? Like, who do you like? Because, you know, looking at the Minneapolis sports scene, you know, there's not a whole lot of likability on the Vikings. I mean, Mike Zimmer's not yeah, exactly a charismatic guy. You've got a lame, kind of cheesy quarterback. Um, there's not a ton to like there. The Timberwolves are so like bad and mired in like you know the 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 rebuild headspace that it's kind of too early to tell on those guys. Yeah. So I I will say for the Timberwolves, so they they drafted Anthony Edwards number one overall, which was. You know, it was one of those drafts where there wasn't a clear number yeah. one, but everybody thought they should have picked Ball. Edwards has come on strong. That man has char- uh, charisma in spades. Like, just he's quotable. He's funny. Nice. He 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 says some off the wall stuff because he's eighteen and doesn't realize <laughs> the uh, you know the call. Like he they went into a game against the Pacers, who are like a, kind of a perpetual yeah. playoff team, and he goes, "Man, this this should be a cakewalk," <laughs> meaning. I have confidence in my teammates, but what it sounds like is I'm crapping all over this pretty good exactly. team. And uh, he just, but he's, but he, he admits his mistakes. He talks about like, he's somebody who I look at and I go, boy, if they don't ruin him, he, he has real future as both a star and like a star personality. For sure. So there's, there's a, a touch of hope for the Timberwolves. The twins are actually a super likable team. Like they, they don't have anybody on the team except maybe Miguel Sano who's kind of a dirtbag. Okay. Interesting. Um, and he he's just had two or three instances of like allegations of bad behavior where nothing has ever come yeah. of it. But it just makes you wonder, like, how does he keep getting in these situations? But like Nelson Cruz is, you know, we're talking like man of the year type of guy right. in Major League Baseball. Right. And he's he's hilarious. He's quotable. Rocco Baldelli, the manager, yeah. you know, so former really good player. Uh, he's just so sort of like easygoing, really like – he seems to really respect the media, so they have yeah. like they just have a good rapport. Uh, Luis Arise, who's their starting, well, he's kind of their utility guy, but he's playing third right now. Is just this like bundle of hilarious energy. Um, yeah, just kind of up and down the line. There's nobody on the team who's like, ugh, that guy's. I don't like that Dude, guy. That's great, but uh, I- yeah. So, but Nelson Cruz is like kind of the figurehead of of likability and he's their best player, which is a great combination. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it makes it infinitely more fun to watch the team. If you like, if you like the, the local broadcasters and you like some of the players, um, I think our team got less likable 
you know, we, we got rid of Nelson Cruz. We got rid of Vogie, who was an awesome fat guy. Um, we, we've gotten rid of some fun guys, which is too bad. Um, we had the pitcher that I liked with like the noodle arm. Who was that a couple of years ago? Remember me talking about that guy? Mike uh, Leake. Yeah, but the the Mariners have burned through so many guys. It's really hard. To we remember. have burned through so many guys. Yeah, I think it was Mike Leake. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Leake, yeah, he was just, he's kind of the th- perpetually 88 miles exactly. per hour, 170. I would always like four and a half. Yeah, miles. it was always appointment viewing for me to watch his starts. For some reason, yeah. I like, I enjoyed watching Mike Leake. But, uh, but yeah, I, my impression is that Lewis. I mean, he's injured now. But, yeah. uh, Kyle Lewis is uh, is ha- he has like that Anthony Edwards personality potential, where like he's quotable. Yeah. He understands like he's not one of those old crusty like respect the game right. guys. He's like energy and passion is great. And and he, I've heard him say some great things about sort of recognizing the significance of being like a young black man in a game that has turned largely white and Latino, yeah. and just being like. You know, representation matters, and and so he seems to kind of take that on, but but really with a kind of a joy for the game totally, too. Totally, totally. So he seems like he has that. Kyle potential. Lewis is a top shelf, like look cool guy too. Like, yes, I, he he gets off the bus in his uniform, and you're like, oh man, this is a this is a oh. superstar, you know. Okay, so let we should probably do a quick rundown of favorite looks cool guys from baseball in in I don't know whatever era. Mm. We just pick an era, or you know. Speaking of the Mariners, Mike Cameron was one of those yeah. guys from a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. A, a top shelf look cool guy. I mean, King Griffey yes. Jr. was the ultimate look cool guy, you know? Yeah. Well, he, he like set the standard. He went from like baseball is a bunch of doughy white dudes with a handful of elite <laughs> athletes to like, oh, no, world class athletes who play this game do it differently. Exactly. You, he and Barry Bonds, because Bonds always had the, the one dangling cross yeah. ring, which was. A, a real kind of it was kind of an f u to the uh to the establishment back in the day. Yeah. It didn't look cool though. Like I remember I remember looking at Barry Bonds and especially you look you look at Bonds through the lens of like the Cro-Magnon kind of transformation that that you know chemically altered his body. So you're you're kind of viewing it through that lens, but I was never a dangly earring guy. Like so I, I never looked at Bonds as look as cool like for me. But um but but yeah, I could see what he was doing. I could see what he was well, trying to do. And that's the thing is like Griffey was the one everybody imitated because you know he rolls out there and he's got cooler shoes. He's wearing his hat back. Yeah. Like every kid wanted to be Griffey. Absolutely. Bonds was more cool in like the Gen X. Yeah. Like I don't need to do what you tell right. me. I don't care about your establishment kind yeah. of vibe. And so it was it was more like an ethos than like a look you wanted to imitate. Due to that. Um, in terms of the the '90s Gen X, like I'm not going to do what you tell me ethos. There were some '90s Phillies teams with like John Cruck, <laughs> Darren Dalton, Darren, yeah, Dalton. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, who's the who's the ultimate Lenny, Lenny Dykstra, Dykstra the, the ultimate guy from those teams? Those guys looked cool. And Mitch Williams, yeah, they yeah. they kind of they kind of spanned the like dumpiness spectrum. In that Darren Dalton was like steroidal, John Cruck was yeah. dumpy and fat. But they all managed to look cool, and they all managed to yes. look like distinct from each other, which I think is a big deal in baseball, you know. And they all had the same grooming uh, habits when it came to not washing their hair for weeks at a time, <laughs> like just a greasy, stringy bunch. Dude, of Dude, there were hair. a bunch of dirtbags, which kind of fit with the '90s yeah. Gen X sort of uh, ethos. Um, to that, 
another really cool team that I remember just looking cool as a group from like the late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s time period was the Pittsburgh Pirates. So thinking about like Andy Vance, like early career bonds, like pre-steroidal bonds. Yeah. Um, they were a cool looking group of guys. Bo- Bobby Bonilla was on that team. Yeah. And they, they looked uh, cool. Was- like the uniform looked cool with the stadium, if that makes sense. You know, like they had this big generic yes. AstroTurf stadium, but they had a cool looking uniform in that stadium. Um, it all worked. Yeah. And I'm trying to separate, like, because I feel the same way, the same way about like the Reds, like the Eric Davis. Oh, yeah. Eric Davis, uh, super Reds, cool looking guy. And, uh, why am I uh, why am I blanking on their their shortstop's name? Really good player. Yeah. Um, started with a B. Uh-huh. It'll come to me when I'm not thinking about it. But yeah, like that team was cool looking. But also, like I feel like there was just sort of a, a there's sort of a retro retrospective coolness in my mind as right. opposed to like those players looked amazing. Dude, that was back. Barry Barry Larkin. Barry Larkin, dude. Yeah, very cool looking guy. That was that was back when though you weren't seeing guys all the time. Like I think now yeah. with social media, with highlight packages, with you know just little cut ups that you're seeing everywhere on the internet, you're seeing these guys all the time. Whereas like with Eric Davis, you had a poster and you caught him on you know network twice a year or on ESPN every once in a while, and it was like a big deal to see some of these guys. And um, you know you you didn't get sick of their look because you weren't seeing it all the time. Um, I think that's part. Yeah. Of it. There's, you know what I realized? There's not, there's not enough berries in sports anymore. Oh, Barry, solid name. Yeah. Do I mean think think about the legendary Barry? Is Barry Bonds? Is Barry Sanders? Barry there's Barry Larkin. Yeah. I'm sure I'm missing. Do Barry Melrose in Just, hockey? You know, I know we're going, we're going. Yeah, to the tough, but like the the percentage of berries who have been absolutely spectacular is really high. Yeah, absolutely. Barry is a is a, a sneakily great sports name. Do we have any berries right now? Man, it's one of those so. names that really kind of was of a certain moment and then kind of jumped the shark quickly. Yeah. Like there, there's no like young hipsters naming their kid Barry, you know, um, it'll come back around. Like it it's will. A, it, it, these things yeah. do, but like, yeah. was it short for anything? Uh, I don't know. I don't it, Barrington. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Beresford. I don't know. <laughs> Is it one of those like. The, uh, like upper crust last names turned into a first name. And you had Barry Gordy in the music industry. I mean, it's just been a really strong name. You know, there haven't been a lot of yeah. Barrys that have failed. Um, I don't know. Interesting, interesting thing to keep an eye on, Pipe. Uh, so, parents, if you want your child to be really, really good at sports, maybe don't name them like you know Hunter or Cooper or something. Go with <laughs> exactly. Barry, and all of a sudden they're going to be they're going to be really, really exactly. good. Exactly. I love it. There are no leg- there are no legendary like Cooper. No, there aren't. In fact, that's the one Manning brother who didn't that's make true. it. That's so. true. That's true. Cautionary tale. Um, Pipe, who are we leaving out on our cool-looking baseball players list before we do a little oh, man. NFL pivot here? I feel like there's there's uh, there's got to be a pitcher or two that are just like... Yeah. So, you know, somebody who I always thought was cool, who, who was good, but always kind of lived in the shadow of his brother. So Pedro Martinez's brother, Ramon. Interesting. Ramon Martinez. Yeah. Played for the Dodgers. And was just like an intimidating dude who was really fun to watch uh-huh. and just looked, he looked every part the ball. Yeah. Player. Like he was kind of lanky, yeah. but you just could tell like th- this man is a baseball player. Yeah. 
Like when you saw Mike Cameron, you didn't know if he was a baseball player or like a wide receiver dressed up in a baseball uniform, <laughs> and that's why he looked amazing. Exactly. Ramon Martinez, you're like, oh, he plays shorts, yeah, or he plays pitcher or something. Like he just looked. I the think part. that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that like quintessentially baseball look, coupled with like an elite athlete. I think that's Apex Mountain yes. for looking cool in baseball. And if you if you don't have the elite build, then you're going for like a Daniel Vogelbach thing or a John Cruck thing or yeah. whatever. Okay, so t- two quick yeah. thoughts. David Justice oh, for the Braves. Oh, elite. Mid 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 nineties. Elite look David Justice is an all time great looking baseball player. Elite cool like looking guy. Baseball. Absolutely. Yeah. Dude, I I'm gonna go there, but I think Chipper Jones always looked kind of cool to me. You know? Yeah. On the on the spectrum of like cool looking white yes. guys. Um he was up there and that team was on TV all the time. They were on uh they were on TBS, yeah. so like even up in Indiana, yeah, so you, could catch you were catching them all the time. They were just always on. Yeah, um, yeah. Chipper Jones was Chipper Jones and Gary Sheffield were my two favorite players in the post Kirby Puckett era. There you go. And Sheffield is another one. And, and again, there's so there's a lot going on there because I think he looked great, like baseball player, quintessential kind of athletic yeah. baseball player. And then he just had the baddest batting stance uh-huh. ever. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was. He he was he was great, but yeah, those guys. Yeah, Chipper Jones was just sort of he had sort of the like he and Derek Jeter kind of had that like uh-huh. quint like, the, the quintessential like dirtbag ball player. Right, like, I am here just for the game. Yeah. yeah, you know, mock turtlenecks underneath. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just they looked they looked the part of the star base. Absolutely, player. dude. Absolutely, and that's important. I want to do a minute. I have it. Go ahead. I, I just wanted to introduce you to, and I may have done this before, but you know, knowing your deep affection of fat ball yeah. players, um, the Twins have a utility infielder slash backup catcher named Williams Astadio, <laughs> who is he's about five nine and probably two hundred pounds. Dude, I'm looking him up um, right now. And what a what a and, great name! You know, his his face is perfectly round. Yep. And he's one of the like the the super likable guys on the team, and he has kind of flowing oh locks. My gosh, this guy looks and, so fun and likable. Look at him. Yes, and just he hustles. And the thing is, he swings at everything and doesn't strike out. Like, he has one of the lowest strikeout rates in the majors. So just one of those old school like hack away approaches. Yeah. So everything about him is fun to watch. And he's you know he's a decent ball player. He's not bad. He's, yeah. you know he's a good sort of bench guy. But uh, yeah, in in your search for chubby ball players to have an affinity for he should be he should be yeah, he's truly this. chubby i mean not to body shame at yeah. all here but like he's truly he's really a fat guy and if he if he's five nine 200 pounds then i'm 290 i'm i'm richie incognito you know like he's he's not 200 pounds um he's he's well north of that but yeah fun looking guy cool looking guy uh i want to do one minute on kirby puckett as a cool looking baseball player um yep I think Kirby Puckett was cool looking in that he was and and this was a thing that had to do with like growing up as a kid in the era that Kirby Puckett played in. He looked nice. Like he just looked fun and he was easy to like. <laughs> um yes. You you could like see yourself hanging out with Kirby Puckett and and you could see yourself like asking him for an autograph and him not being an a-hole about it. And I think that made him cool looking. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he he gave everything about him exuded the I'm thrilled to be here vibe, yes. which for a kid, like, kids pick up on that. Like, they don't like the sullen mm-hmm. guy. You know, like, Randy Johnson is one of the coolest looking baseball players ever, but no kid's going to ask him for an autograph. He's terrible. Yeah, he looked like he might. He's 6'10 and looks like he wants to fight everybody. Yeah, like he might throw a baseball through your head. 
you know. Yeah, or like just like he did through that pigeon. exactly, and uh, which every, every year on Twitter, like on the anniversary of that, people play the clip, and it's just it brings me great joy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kirby. I mean, he was he was my childhood baseball mm-hmm. hero, and as a as a relatively stout baseball player who lived on on hustle, yeah. uh, he was everything I wanted in a baseball hero. Yeah. And and so then the fact that he was on the team that played four blocks from my house was just. Yeah kind of pinnacle perfect. Oh, absolutely. And uh I mean he was he was a great ball player too. That's the other thing. Like he, Williams Estadio is fun mm-hmm. because he's an anomaly. Yeah. Kirby was anomalous because he was Hall of Fame level. Absolutely. Good. Yeah, absolutely. He could do unbelievable things on a baseball field. Well Pipe, we got a few minutes left here. Let's uh let's take a little pivot into some NFL news that's uh that's broken since we recorded for the last time. Um big trade. Big Sam Darnold trade. Um, I'm a Darnold guy. I'm not sure why, um, but but I've been I've been a because you and I are real slow to give up on on quarterbacks. I know, it, dude. I'm so slow to give up on a quarterback that I liked coming out of college. I'm still I'm still living on Manziel Island. Oh, right me here. too. Yeah, you and I are like the only two remaining residents of Manziel Island. It's he's you know when he leads when he leads his drug rehab team to the you know the rehab clinic finals i'm oh, going to feel it. such a sense of gratitude oh absolutely we'll be like see we were right um yeah no knew he had it in him we knew he had it in him i i think the thing about me and darnold and this dates back to him in college it was just seeing him do some incredible things and seeing how incredibly high i thought the ceiling could be but the problem with Darnold is the floor is pretty low, too. And I'm inclined to like this deal for Carolina because I'm just inclined to trust what Carolina is doing because I think they've got smart people like pulling the strings over there right now. Um, and I'm glad he went to someplace good or at least someplace that I perceive as good. I'm glad he went to a small media market because nobody cares what happens in Carolina. He can kind of... Um, Re- refind himself there, reestablish himself a little bit. Um, yeah. I really like this move for Darnold. Where are you at on it? Yeah, I, you know, I've listened to and read so much commentary about this trade, ranging from what what is Carolina doing? They clearly just wanted to get a high end quarterback, and this was their only fallback plan, and they didn't think they could get it in the draft. Blah blah blah. To Darnold still has a lot of good in him. He's had bad luck with injuries. And then his biggest injury was Adam Gase, who is was the worst quarterback in football in, I don't know, the last 15 yeah. years. Yeah. Everybody, every offensive player who leaves Adam Gase gets better. Yep. It seems. And so, yeah, I feel like the, the shift from an Adam Gase-led disaster of a team with no talent mm-hmm. to a Carolina team with pretty decent weapons – and a head coach and an offensive coordinator who are creative and put players in a position to succeed. So last year, Robbie Anderson, um, who is there? Uh, why am I? Is it uh, Samuel? No. Uh, yeah, Curtis, Curtis Samuel. Samuel. Yeah. Um, and then CMC was injured, Christian McCaffrey. But like those two wide receivers both went over a thousand yards last year with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, yeah. who is a he's 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 a good NFL player, but he's just a game manager. Yeah. He's not an explosive make the offense better. If they can do that with them and Darnold can be like Bridgewater with playmaking ability, that sounds like a great move. And they gave up two, what was it? It was like a fourth and a sixth and then two future seconds or something like that. 
So, I mean, it's it's a cost, but it's a recoupable cost. Sure. And if he turns into a legit starter, it's a cost that nobody's going to bat enough. Even if they just get two or three good years out of him, yeah. or like measurably decent years, it's a. I think it's a pretty solid move. I think him. it is too, and uh, I really like him with that coaching staff. Um, Pipe, I have one last. NFL quarterback take to run by you. And then and then if we have time we can talk about the the Niners trade, which is pretty fascinating too. Here's yeah. my take. Nobody's talking about Gardner Minshew. And I'm I'm unsure as to why that is. Um to wit, Andy Dalton is going to be a starter in the league again. Um the Bears did a very Bears thing and um and signed Andy Dalton. Fine, I get it. He's got a lot of experience. You know his ceiling. You know his floor. Um, I think Minshew is going to start games for somebody this year and play really, really well. Um, he played really pretty. Is is he still under contract with Jack? I believe so. I believe so. So it would have to be a trade. But he okay. played really well on a generationally horrible roster. He's frisky. He gets the ball out quick. That was the whole thing with Mike Leach and Washington State and the way that offense worked. Um I think Yeah, I mean his his career stats, I mean, which is what two seasons yeah. basically of of playing time are sixty three percent completion, which is not elite, yeah. but also he he didn't have a ton of weapons right. and you know coming in as a rookie, usually those numbers tend to go yeah. up. So like last year it was sixty six percent, which is more in line of what I would sure. expect. Um He's he has a thirty-seven to eleven touchdown to interception ratio, which yeah. you know might not be the biggest total numbers, but it means that he's not putting his team in a position to lose. That's right. His his rating, which I realize quarterback ratings fuzzy, is ninety-three. So again, like that's starter level. Yeah. yeah, he he would be better for the Bears than Andy Dalton. Yeah. He would be he'd probably be better for the nine. I mean, maybe not better, but he's probably Jimmy G level. Absolutely, and. The fan base in Chicago would have fallen in love with him in like a week and a half. Um, well, yeah, he's already doing the Jim McMahon headband. Thing. Exactly. Yeah, he I, he can pick up first downs with his legs a lot like Jim McMahon. He actually reminds me a ton of Jim McMahon in that they both came from like super pass-happy college offenses. They got the ball out quick. Um, they could scramble around, get it done with their legs, despite not being like super, super elite athletes. Um, beloved by their fan bases, beloved by their teammates. Um, I think Minshew has a future. And I'm not... It's because he's not toolsy, right? I mean, it's it's no fun to talk about Minshew because he's not like... You know, he's not a former number one overall pick or he's not got like the rocket arm or whatever. He doesn't have the pedigree. But, dude, I honestly... I could see him starting for New England after the wheels fall off of Cam Newton you know, in week four or five. Um, yeah, I I feel like he might get the, um, you know, what the Vikings did with uh, Sam Bradford a few years mm-hmm. ago where it was when Bridgewater exploded his leg yeah. and then they went and traded. They did a desperation trade for Bradford because they thought that they were a, you know, Super Bowl-level team. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be a lower-level version of that for Minshew yeah. where, yeah, in training camp, somebody's not working out. Um you know, the Niners are going to draft a quarterback, yeah. so pro- probably not them. But, yeah, whether whether it's um, – it, it, some team is going to lose their quarterback. So, like if uh, – I'm trying to think. Like if Buffalo – I guess they signed Trubisky. Yeah. But a team like that who's who's 
they lose their quarterback, but they have a, a Super Bowl contending team. Right. They could trade for him. Like they they trade a couple seconds for sure. him or something, and all of a sudden he's you know he's that he's that team's guy. Yeah, you know Seattle or somebody like that. If Russell Wilson went down, I could see him ending up in New Orleans with Sean Payton too, because sneakily New Orleans may still have zero quarterbacks on their roster that are any good, even though they yeah, feel like they, they have, have like eight hundred million dollars tied up. In <laughs> exactly, that's the problem. Exactly, they have they have more money tied up in quarterbacks who can't play than any other. It's team. fascinating, man. Which is such a weird, out of character thing for Sean Payton, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. I you, I just wonder if Payton has the ego thing where he thinks he can fix anybody now. Yeah. So he loves the gadgetiness of Taysom Hill, who's not a good player. And he's like 32 years exactly. old. Exactly. He's not young. Exactly. And then uh, and then they have Jameis Winston, who has a ton of talent mm-hmm. and more turnover potential than any player in the league. Absolutely. Hey, what do you think is going to be the Jimmy G market? Um, so the Niners trade trade up. They're going to take a quarterback. Um it's it's been weird. Like, I I don't know what to believe on the on the Justin Fields versus Mac Jones dialogue with the Niners. You could throw if they take Mac Jones over Justin Fields or Trey Lance, they are insane. Yeah, like, there's just Mac Jones has started twelve games, which is fewer than Mitch Trubisky did in college, I believe. He he had more weapons around him than anybody this side of like Tom Brady with last year's Bucks team, right? And they run a gadget offense. Yeah. They don't even run a pro style offense. So all this like he's a he's a pro ready quarterback. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. <laughs> he's he's less pro ready than Justin Fields by leaps and bounds. And he's not as good of an athlete. Yeah, yeah, by a long shot. Um, I was surprised, honestly. Um, they they, I don't know. I'm reading between the lines here a bunch, but. There must have been there. There must be things about Jimmy G that they really dislike, and it may just be his lack of availability, right? I mean, it may be the fact. Yeah, he's he's never available. he's injured, and I think they. I think there's probably also the you know when they went to the Super Bowl and he played, he missed one or two big throws yeah. in key spots that like those are throws that Russell Wilson's not going to miss, right. that Tom Brady's not going to miss, that these guy like the guys you count on yeah. are not going to miss. Yeah. Drew Brees didn't miss those throws. Yeah, you know so. Jimmy, like they know what the ceiling on Jimmy is, yeah. and it's you know that twelve or thirteen win team with everybody around them. But the team has to carry him, and I think they want a quarterback who who can pull the team there. Yeah, I don't know what the market for him is because everybody has a quarterback now. Exactly. Like who's he an upgrade for? Right, right. Especially at that cost. At that cost, nobody's going to pay what they want. I think Belichick would do it on a on a bargain basement kind of deal, but yeah, like a second and a fourth or exactly. something like that. And I and I think he. He would be an upgrade over Cam's corpse, um, but not an upgrade over like any kind of decent version of Cam that we could that we could see. Dude, honestly, honestly, a Jimmy G Cam combo where where Cam's playing a third of the snaps and sort of like a wildcat type of package yeah. where he he obviously can throw, yeah. but he's last year he rushed for what thirteen or fourteen touchdowns. Yeah. Like he still got the ability to do that, dude. That 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 would be a pretty good offensive weapon for them. As long as Jimmy was the guy who was like, he's going to get him from 20 to 20, and then Cam's going to put it in the pen. Dude, I can't remember, and I love that, dude, and that reminds me of something that I wanted to run by you. I can't remember if we talked about it on this show or another show, though, how Cam being such an alien physically, I think late career Cam could develop into some version of like a short yardage gadget, like sniper quarterback, and be 
incredible yeah. at it. Like in the in the same way that the CFL has a has a dedicated like short yardage quarterback on every roster. Cam could honestly yeah, be like that. I mean if I'm just picturing him like on the Vikings and anytime they're in like third and two mm-hmm. or fourth and two. Yeah. If you put Cam on the field, the defense has to account for everything. Yeah. You know, he because he can still hit short and intermediate routes. Yep. He's not a he's not he's not a good drop back passer, but he can still throw. Yeah. He can he can run better than just about anybody. The quarterback sneak game, the quarterback powers, like all of that. All of a sudden, you, it, he is he is an, he is a weapon, and he's not the kind of guy where you're like it's not wildcat because that that means you're only running the ball. Yeah. You never throw out of yeah. that. And so yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I I think the and what did they pay him this year? Like three million dollars yeah, or something. Money. He's getting backup. Yeah, he's he's a backup quarterback who's starting until they find the guy they like. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Minshew or Jimmy G ends up on New England, or if they attempt to move, like if a quarterback falls out of the top five, yeah. if they attempt to move up and, and draft a guy, yeah. uh, if there's somebody they like. Yeah, I know it. It's, uh, it's going to be fascinating with New England. I, I can't imagine them trading up for anybody who, who will necessarily still be there. Um, unless like, I don't, I don't believe all the Justin Fields, like, free fall stuff. I, I, I just think when push comes to shove, he'll be off the board, you know, very early. Yeah. I fields is suffering from NFL teams having too much of a, like they, they always like, they like the devil. They don't know better than the devil. They totally, do. totally. The guy who they've scouted for 30 starts, yeah. they stop liking. Yeah. the guy who they've scouted for 10. They love, yeah. even though the first guy is almost always better. Yeah. I know it. I know it. Yeah. But yet, Year in and year out, this uh, this continues to happen. Well, pipe, I've uh, I've gone over my time limit here, so I'm going to be late to my next thing. Uh, but it's okay. We had it was worth we had it. fun. It was worth it for me anyway. It was worth it for me as well. I would much rather talk about um, cool looking MLB players from the from the '90s than whatever it is that I have to do in my in my real life here. But uh, Piper, we've done what we always do in that we've wandered to and fro throughout a number of sports topics. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take, but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.